there were lots of questions in that area. And as I was asking questions, I wasn't getting good answers. So that kind of always is a indication to me that there might be something more to dig into. The latest in agricultural media and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network podcast. And here's your host, Kelsey Litchfield. Welcome to another episode of the AgCom Network podcast. I'm Kelsey Litchfield, and here with me today, I have Pam Smith, Crops Technology Editor at DTN, the Progressive Farmer. Today, we're talking dicamba, and Pam shares her perspective of covering the controversial topic and her biggest takeaways of what she's learned in her journalism career so far. So let's tune in. So Pam, let's start from the beginning. Tell me a little bit about your background, how you got into ag communications, and then how you got to where you are now. So basically, give me a little bit of your resume. Okay. Um, Well, I was raised on a farm in West Central Illinois, uh, Macoupin County, Mm -hmm. and four generations of the family still there today, uh, farming. At one time, we had five generations, and... um, and I've known six generations of, and they all had agricultural roots. So our roots run really deep there. Um, I was a University of Illinois Ag Communications graduate. And then uh, first job out of college was with the Illinois Prairie Farmer as a field editor. And then uh, was there six years, went to Farm Journal, was there for uh, uh, almost some close to over two decades. And then in 2012, uh, uh, went to DTM Progressive Farmer as the crops technology editor. So I work on both sides of both the digital and the magazine platforms overseeing crops and crops content. How did you know it was time to switch jobs? Was there like a it was like a light bulb that went off your head or did you just see another opportunity or did you just want a new challenge? Um, kind of a little bit of all of the above. Um, there was an opening and the age at which I was, it seemed like a good opportunity. And I think it was, it was time for a, a bit, you know, a bit of a, a different shake up a little bit. The interesting part of that was that at the time, um, a lot of the people I had worked with over the years were at DTN and Progressive Farmers, so was kind of coming home to work with a lot of people that I've known, so that was cool. It was a natural fit. So with being a crops technology editor at DTN, the Progressive Farmer, you began covering the storyline of dicamba, which we've all known has been in the news very much so, but you began covering it before it was in the forefront of many minds. Tell us how you knew to follow that story and where it led you. I had been covering um, resistance, herbicide um, resistance, and so kind of a natural transition, or we're always talking about herbicides, and I was hearing little bits and pieces. We Dicamba is not a new chemical. It's been around for, I think it's 50 years. I'd have to look up the, Mm -hmm. you know, the actual date on that, but we knew from the old Banville and Clarity formulations that it had an ability to move, um, but and that this new technology would 
take it into a different dynamic or time frame. Uh, we've been using it in burn down applications, early corn applications, but when you move it into a trait technology, you're looking at more of a um, later, later application. So there were lots of questions in that area. And as I was asking questions, uh, I wasn't getting good answers. So that kind of always is a indication to me that there might be something more to dig into. 2013, I think it was, we did our first cover story pointing to some of the potential issues. We'd been writing about the upcoming um, technology, dicamba tolerant technology for quite a while at that time, but it was mostly here, it's coming, um, you know, new technologies coming and farmers were so eager for anything new to replace Roundup Ready as mm -hmm. glyphosate was facing challenges. So there's kind of a timeline to this, um, this dicamba picture that, you know, the trade and the herbicide didn't get introduced together. So we had that component, there were import approval issues, um, trait released without a, without a herbicide. So then you had, we had off-label use, um, that followed by finally getting registration on the, on the um, herbicide with some of the most aggressive labels we'd ever seen. And then the following the volatility, uh, mixed in all of that was a consolidation of the industry. So, and additional state things that were going on, lots of arms and legs to this story. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So how did you keep it all straight and in line with your facts of with everything twisting and turning? Did you have a heavy notebook? <laughs> yeah, and lots of sources and lots of uh, time. Um, I think this is a good example of being lucky to have a, a news organization that allowed us some time to follow and, and um, it ate into some of our reporting time for other things. And that's a, you know, an investment in, in, in a way. So um, it, it's, it's been a bit of consuming thing. <laughs> so. I want to stop right there for a second and talk about an idea that you kind of just brought up of how um, they gave you time to cover this. And I think in the world of media, there's so much a point to have breaking news, be the first one to report something. But then in my college classes, I always said, you need to make sure your facts are straight. So where do you have that balance of being a reputable news source, but then also bringing the news um, quickly and having um, being the one to break it as well? That's a really good question. Um, you know, there is always kind of the pressure of wanting to be first, but mm -hmm. I try to be pretty deliberate and make sure that we have um, confirmation of things. And if, if that means getting beat occasionally, so be it. Um, I, uh, I, I'm pretty, try to be pretty careful. Mm -hmm. And um, that means hearing things more than one place and not just going with the first thing that we've heard just because we've heard it sometimes. So, and that does mean getting beat occasionally. Mm -hmm. And in this world of hashtag fake news, we always hear that's fake news or whatever. How do you find 
credible information. You mentioned your sources, so taking that, what advice would you give to journalists covering similar controversial topics such as dicamba? It's important to dig, I mean, and to, at least for me anyway, I, I always say that, although people don't believe this probably sometimes, but we don't write everything that we hear. Uh, we, I like to get multiple um, sources on topics. We started going to all of the regional or trying to get to as many of the regional Weed Science Society Association meetings. We went to the national uh, association meetings. For the last three years, I think I've been the only agriculture reporter at that meeting. And um, I'm not, you know, these are big topics. So some people face different kinds of budgets as far as travel or whatever. But um, the other thing was, I talked to a lot of farmers. I think it's really important to have muddy boots and to keep mm -hmm. to keep um, thinking about what it is that they need to know and uh, not just be echoing uh, industry or um, what we think they maybe mm -hmm. need to know. Mm -hmm. So, um, and in this topic that brought up a lot of emotional kinds of issues and mm -hmm. um, that's something that was uh, different. I mean, we always have emotion <laughs> no matter what, right? But, but um, this one got a little bit, is, has been a little bit more so than others I've had in the past. And I guess the other thing there, you know, when we when we'd hear something, instead of just hearing it, we'd actually go wherever it was and try to get confirmation, visual confirmation, or go to a meeting. And I, got in the car, heard EPA was going to be in Nebraska, you know, to talk to farmers and it wasn't a well-publicized meeting. And, you know, I immediately jumped in a car and started driving mm -hmm. didn't make sure we were there. And, um, you know, we haven't been at everything that maybe we would have liked to have been. We had other stories that we have to cover, but I think uh, it, it's really important just to um, dig. <laughs> And you, that kind of leads into my next question. I think you answered it a little bit. So if you want to elaborate a little bit more or you think you've answered it, how do you stay objective while following this topic and then others that maybe have a more of an emotional side to it? Uh, one way I did that was to make sure some others on our staff were working on some of these and that I wasn't the only brain on it. Um, Emily Unglesby has um, done quite a bit of writing on dicamba for us. Chris Clayton, Greg Gorsmeyer, you know, several people on our staff have um, have have helped share the burden of that topic. And in that, as someone who was following it closely, wanted to make sure that I wasn't influencing them. You know, that they were able to kind of do their own digging too. So. Again, that's an investment. So we have now we have more than one person <laughs> invested in the topic. But mm -hmm. um, I think it, I think that that was a good balancing. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's always good, no matter what career you're in. Not only communications, it's always good to have another set of eyes. I'm not looking over your shoulder per se, but if you're writing something, well, hey, will you take a look at this? Or checking your facts, checking your sources. It's always it's always good in this world of having the internet and everything that 
the facts are credible, they're straight, and then someone else is also looking at your work and making sure that everything's um, that everything's up to par. Yeah, we have a pretty good uh, uh, questioning group of editors, and and uh, we we talk on a daily basis, and that helps, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, they're not shy about saying, "Well, what do you mean?" or you know, so I, I like that, uh, you know, eventually you have to get the job done, right? As I said, I think it's important to have other people that mm -hmm. putting their brains around it too. Mm -hmm. Do you find that difficult being like working remotely and not being in an office every day with the team? Um, not with the, I guess, I've done it so long. I, I, not really, uh, you know, it'd be nice to be able to like put your head around the corner maybe, but you know, we're so interconnected now that uh, I, I, I don't feel that so much. Actually, I think it's for me much better. Um, like I said, if I need to get to a field or a farmer, I, all I have to do is, uh, like, kind of like raise the flag on my mailbox because they drive by my house all the time. And, <laughs> And so, um, you know, there again, I got to make sure I'm not listening to the same people all the time, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it is, I have, a, we have a group of farmers that we ping, thing, ping ideas off of and that we ask to um, give us thoughts. And I think that that's helpful as well. Good. So one food for thought, but what was the most difficult thing covering this controversial issue of dicamba is there anything you would have done different per se covering it i think the neighbor to neighbor issue has probably been the most difficult i've seen it um rip up at some uh, people i know well and that it's it's hard you know you don't want to overstate that but um just where I live, for instance, there are quite a few specialty growers because we have access to non-GMO contracts. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have vegetable growers that have started to try to make um, a little bit more money uh, doing something other than straight corn and, and beans. And so that trespass issue of the, the herbicide trespass issue has been a difficult one. Um, because the university scientists didn't have access to the formulations early in the process that complicated things too. And I think now we're getting, we're seeing some answers to some of the questions that we were, we've been asking for the last you know, five, six years. Uh, but it's, difficult because we've you know we've had the we've had it on the landscape and and quite frankly the the uh, trait system has worked well for a lot of farmers which makes it difficult also because they would like to have that technology right so mm -hmm. what would we do differently um, there's been some things that I wished I um, maybe covered we heard about I heard about injury on uh, soybeans uh, coming out of cotton and some things earlier than we actually got reported on even though we were early in the game reporting it was uh, coming out of some test fields and things like that and I, I 
I just could not get anyone to confirm it and I pulled back. And um, so I wish I dug a little harder there maybe, but um, that's hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Early on, we were worried a lot about physical drift and uh, there were factors there that we covered and it turns out that uh, the volatility component of this herbicide is probably been more of the uh, topic that we were, mm-hmm. you know, that we've, we've ended up talking about. So, so there's a couple things there. Um, I, I wish I had paid more attention in chemistry class. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> um, actually, I think the ag communications degree doesn't require the level of chemistry that I had now even, but, um, but some of this is really complicated. Um, this, you know, it gets into some really hardcore stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, sometimes I wish I was smarter and knowing how to ask questions in the, on, the, on the technical side mm-hmm. of it, but that's when, you know, you go to people and find them, find help. Mm-hmm. How do you take that information that's so complicated and per se maybe over people's head, how do you take it down a notch so that people will understand it? It's a, a really good question. Um, people that have that talked to me know that I talk about this quite a bit, but um, I will, when I'm editing copy, sometimes I'll say to someone, do you have any children's books in your house? And go read it because that's the most, um, you know, simplest form of communication and, and looking at simple words and ways to say things in simple ways is a lot a lot harder sometimes in these kinds of topics because the people you're talking to tend to talk in a jargon of sorts so mm-hmm. you have to cut through that um, the other thing that we did those these labels that came with the with uh, Extendamax and Ingenia and Fexapan are so complicated and they've continued as EPA has uh, tried to try to um, bring some more control to it, I guess. That's not the right word, but um, we've we've seen those labels get more and more and more complex. So last year, when um, the labels were redone, we took each component and did a separate story on them, hoping to get away from that. Um, I call it the sky is falling sort of approach where you write everything and people just their brain goes numb when they hear so <laughs> much stuff. So if we divide it out into each component and talk about it, then maybe it doesn't just wear the reader out. We've tried all kinds of approaches because I think that that is a having a, a, the reader get kind of numb to something is mm-hmm. you know, they've read it they don't want to read it again, you know, just leave me alone, sort of, we don't want Mm -hmm. that, but yet we want them absorbing the information. So Mm -hmm. simple simple words, simple sentence structures, good headlines will always win the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. With the topic of dicamba, looking forward to the spring and um, future seasons, are you going to be continue to cover its story or, um, how how is that timeline going to play out for you in the coming spring? Yeah, um, not gonna lie, it, 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 
I, that, uh, one of the, when I said that we had other people doing stories and some of it is just to, to take some relief off because, because when you get so embedded in something it it does work on you. Um, and, you know, being creative and writing about the same thing over and over can sometimes get a little bit much. So um, we will be looking at it hard still, and I think it will still continue. I'm a little worried that uh, we'll have a lot more beans on the landscape that will tolerate the herbicide. So let's, you know, don't get complacent mm -hmm. with that and think that they're are no issues because I don't really think that this is a, an injury issue in soybeans as much as it is what it does on the landscape. And we, we have to worry about how that's going to be seen by environmentalists and things like that. The long arm of what the repercussions are as people mm -hmm. look at the industry. So um, as far as uh, looking towards spring, we have some new labels again, and we're trying to educate on that and um, follow it the best we can. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, trying not to have it be the only thing we concentrate on because there are lots of other things. Right. Out there right. Yeah. Because there's such a diverse topic, especially in agriculture. And so such seasonal topics too that yeah, you got to spread it out a little bit, but then you still got to serve your readers of what they need to know. Right. And well, and if this wasn't complicated enough, we've had some uh, herbicide resistance come up in, in uh, other chemistries that are pretty important. So the, the library of what they have, farmers have to use is, is I mean, they, they can still use things, but the effective, uh, things on some farms it's not there are ways to go about it but um, talking about how we can do that and and still you know preserve the technologies that we have it's important that we understand that uh, industry needs mm -hmm. income from some of these things too or we won't have them so you know there's all kinds of things to talk about here it's you'll, you'll never not have something to write about right <laughs> That's right. Or, or, Although, you, or you want to be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, if we never say the last story, isn't that what they say? <laughs> right. Um, so Pam, switching a little bit subjects, not too far. I want to talk about um, your writing um, honors. So you've been AAEA Writer of the Year, um, Oscars in Agriculture, and then I was reading you received two Jesse H. Neal Awards from the American Business Media. And then recently, and you referred to the Weed Science Society of America earlier, Excellence in Journalism Award, correct? That's right. That's right. Awesome. Um, so with that in mind and being such a dis distinguished writer, what piece of advice would you give someone, whether they're a young professional or whether they're a seasoned veteran, what advice would you give someone with this same desire to be an accomplished and award-winning writer? Whoa. Well, <laughs> you can think about it. <laughs> um, you know, I think this is a really interesting time. I was just having this discussion yesterday with someone and with social media coming into the, uh, I mean, look here, we're, how we're, com we're communicating right now, you know, um, what 
is it that is going to either change the way people absorb information and how do we fit into that? I, I firmly believe that good communicators will always be required, no matter what the format. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if, um, you know, I think we're still all sort of learning as we go and the, as to what, how that, how that's uh, going to play out. But I have to believe that working hard, uh, caring about each word, and not being discouraged by tough topics and trying to, uh, you know, be just solid, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Um, you know, it is important to, to be looking ahead and trying to see what things are, are coming. And, and sometimes you're going to follow up on some things that don't, don't pan out. Sometimes you're going to hear some things and, wish that you had followed up on them. Um, mm -hmm. I've had more than one of those in my life. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, do it long enough, you're gonna have some of that. But um, I think that uh, my stock and trade has always been kind of going back to my roots and asking myself, what is, what is it that matters most to the reader and trying to think like a farmer. Mm -hmm. I guess coming back at you um, in your career, what matters most to you? Ah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I feel pretty fortunate that I am allowed to work in a profession in an industry that I care about so much. Um, maybe a little too much sometimes. I wish at there there are moments where I wish that I could just go to bed at night and I'll work, wake up in the middle of the night and worrying about herbicides <laughs> or something <laughs> or profitability or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But, um, you, you know, I think we all wonder what it would be like to go and do a job and come home and not think about it all the time. But then I don't know that that's how we're cut out. So it matters to me that I've, that I've worked in an industry like that. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that those that that don't work in something in one that what they do is wrong I don't know mm -hmm. but I love words and I don't always this is true confession here I don't always like writing but I like words and I like having written <laughs> I think that's a Russell Baker quote actually so <laughs> I feel it feels good to think you've helped somebody mm -hmm. yeah definitely um, and I think you kind of answered my next question of how did you know you wanted to be a writer? Was there anything that you reflect on that thought, oh, that's, that's why I chose this profession? A lot of people tell me that if you think back to your childhood, what was one thing you loved doing? And for me, it was I would always get my mom's big camcorder out and I would film myself like singing and dancing and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, looking at it now, I love making videos, um, just featuring, um, featuring farmers, featuring small businesses, things like that. So is there anything that kind of, when you reflect on, is there anything that you thought that that's how I got to where I was today, or that's where the passion started and it's grown till this point? Well, um, I actually wanted to be a farmer that's all I ever wanted to do and um, that didn't 
pan out for me. Mm. Um, I had a few too many siblings or I, you know, the farm's still going. I'm, I'm, I, I'm still, you know, uh, find my roots there and I still really use them as uh, uh, to kind of keep me balanced. Mm -hmm. But um, my grandmother was a frustrated writer. She did some, uh, she did quite a bit of uh, writing for different um, publications and, and she was also a teacher. I never had her as a teacher, but uh, her influence was big for me. Yeah, definitely. Pam, um, is there anything, before we close out, is there anything else that you wanted to share, whether it's been about um, your coverage uh, as a crops technology editor and writing in general, um, about AAEA, anything like that? Well, I one of the things that I did early in my career was become a AAEA member, and I, um, you know, have really enjoyed my association with them, was on the board for back in the day. And uh, I think that that was really important in uh, networking. And um, I, you know, have uh, had a long career here. It doesn't seem like it. I don't know where the last 30 years have gone, but um, you know, it's, <laughs> I've never been bored. That's a good thing. I like to say that too, whenever I'm, um, doing a, a job or anything. I don't want to be bored and I want to be challenged. Right. Um, whether in some shape, shape, form, or capacity that is. And I think that leads to never being bored because you always have a challenge. Um, whether that's covering something as extensive <laughs> as dicamba or perhaps another topic. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, um, I think that if you uh, get out and talk to people, then you'll always have something to write about. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think you just dropped the mic there. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Um, Pam, how can people connect with you if they want to follow up and have any questions for you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, actually, uh, I, I'm pretty active on Twitter. That's a, at Pam Smith DTN. Um, do quite a bit there. And uh, email, um, Pamela period smith at dtn.com and uh, or pick up the phone it still works <laughs> it always does right right yeah. that's that's one thing i i've been really trying to do myself is pick up the phone phone more rather than text or facebook or something like that because just hearing someone else's voice puts more things into perspective so yep yep well, Pam, I appreciate you um, coming into the podcast episode today and um, giving us um, your knowledge and your wisdom about covering such an extensive topic and also talking about your career as a whole um, so far. So I appreciate you coming on today. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the AgCom Network podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and now Spotify. Just search the AgCom Network podcast. Until next time, thanks so much for hanging out with me. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.